0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وكفى الصلاة والسلام على رسول الله قال الله سبحانه وتعالى في القرآن المجيد بعد عوض بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وأتم الحج والعمرة لله صدق الله العظيم. Respected elders and brothers, mothers and sisters, students. السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of His infinite mercy, has granted this ummah so many opportunities to mix with each other, to get together collectively on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a yearly basis, at a level of a community, at a level of a city, at a level of a country, and a level of the world. Because this ummah is a collective ummah that is meant to look out for each other's best interest, and that is supposed to act with each other in such cohesion and such cooperation that has been beautifully explained by the Prophet salam in a hadith in which he gave the example of the ummah that they are kajashad wahid, like one body. A hadith that you and I have heard multiple times. But the Prophet ﷺ said that this ummah is like one body. And how so? That they are completely in touch with each other. It is not possible in normal circumstances that a person is walking around and afterwards someone tells him that, you know, it seems like you have lost a toe. And he says, I didn't realize that. That I had lost a toe in an accident. Allah Allah forbid. Unless there are some other type of underlying diseases most probably he will of course feel that if a person is suffering from a toothache or a headache very quickly he will Realize that this portion of my body is in pain and he will respond accordingly the pain may be in the leg the pain may be in his fingernail but you will see his the face the, will change his gestures will change the color of his face will change He will, uh, the tone of his speech will change. Every aspect of his will change. Even though the pain, we know very well, is in the fingertip. But his face is showing that pain. Other parts of his body, now he can no longer, well, why don't you use your other hand to enjoy the burger? But he will see that he won't be able to do that. At that time, he says, no, I can't eat. I've lost my appetite. I've lost my appetite. Even though it is not the tooth that is in pain, it is a toe or a fingernail that is in pain. But the immense cooperation, the way they're all working on one grid. When there is a loss of power, then it affects the entire human body. It affects the entire building that is all connected to one grid. You're supposed to feel that pain. And the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that and explained it. When one portion of this body is suffering, then That the rest of the body will call out. And it will do two things. It will stay awake at night, and it will go through a fever. Two things. It will stay awake at night, even though it's one portion of the body, but the entire body will say that we have to be alert, we have to look after a portion of our body that is going through a crisis right now. A virus attack, a bacteria attack, whatever the case may be. And then the normal physical body, it reacts through a fever. It counteracts that with a fever. It is not just that, that that area gets inflamed only at times, but we see when there is an attack, the entire body goes in a fever mode. Because of that subhanAllah, connection that physically exists within the human body, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa saying that the spiritual connection that exists within the ummah, if not to a stronger degree, it's definitely of the same degree. That there is constant communication Constant connection, constant feedback Between portions of the ummah And hence we have the salah with jama'ah That takes place five times a day In the masjid Where although we may be living right near the masjid But we've been ordered to perform salah In the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala As men As mature young men and adults So that from the many benefits One major benefit is that We are looking out for each other If the wife is sick, the daughter is sick, then the husband probably is not being able to show up, the father is not able to show up to the masjid. So when we see his absence, and we look out for him, we see what's wrong, we will come to realize that a member of his household is suffering, is going through a sickness. And thereby, by taking a roll call of the men, we are able to keep a good grasp of what is happening in all the homes, in the entire neighborhood, in the local community. That on a daily basis when someone is not present, immediately members of the community get worried, or should be worried. That why is Fulan fulan ibn Fulan such and such brother, so and so brother who I would see regularly is not here anymore. What's wrong? And when we call and consult and find out, of course, sometimes it may be something that they've moved, they've gone out, and sometimes it may have simply been that they have just not found the time. Respective friends, we all love to be loved. And we love that when we're not there, people say, Hey, we missed you. If someone was invited to a party and he didn't show up, how nice it feels when the host and everyone else says, We missed you last night. Or we get repeated calls, Are you coming? Are you in your way? And you say, Yes, I just got caught up, I'm coming. We feel that we're being appreciated. No one feels that this is a burden. No one feels, Why are you coming after me like that? Rather, we feel loved. That what else would motivate this person to take the time out to call me? to take the time out to text message me, to take the time out to see how come I didn't show up last night. It is not some type of uh, force, but rather genuine care and love for me. And that is something we all appreciate. We want to have a sense of belonging. That same type of love and care is to be manifested on a daily basis in our houses, in the houses of Allah. That when one of us is not present, then the rest of us are supposed to show that care. That where is it what has happened to my dear brother who was so regular in the month of Ramadan that we haven't seen him for two, three weeks? Just recently a brother, he met him after, after uh, uh, one of the Salahs. He's new to the community. Six, eight months he moved here. And subhanAllah, he was, he was expressing the fact that, you know, the entire month of Ramadan went by and never got a chance to come. And I tried to find an excuse. I said, well, this is probably you couldn't make. He said, no, no, no. And I had no excuse. I'd come home early from work. I just didn't come to the masjid. I just didn't come. But he said, subhanAllah, this brother today knocked at my home, who I don't know, from a different background, from a different ethnicity. And it was that love and the care he showed for me, which has brought me here today for the salah. That no one, I'm a new immigrant to this community, don't have any family here. And to see that mashallah, someone from the masjid could come and care for me, and ask about me, is something that, why would, that I don't get this outside. This is the house of Allah that is, is, is compelling me now, to make this a regular place for me. My friends, our masajid are supposed to function like that. Where we are in tune with each other, with the entire community that surrounds the masjid. The the neighbors and beyond. Muslim as well as of course the next step, the non-Muslims as well. But charity starts at home. You first start with your family. You first start with your own. And then you move forward to see everyone else. That desire and love and compassion, Rasulullah created in the Sahaba to such an extent that none of us can ever imagine or claim that we are more busy or we have more responsibility than a man who is the Khalifa of the entire Muslim Ummah a time of, of Umar al-Khattab r.a. Imagine the responsibility of being a judge, a chief minister, a chief judge, an Amir al-Mu'mineen a great one of the greatest scholars that has ever lived. So not only is he doing administrative things, he's giving fatawa as well. He's consulting ulama and giving, issuing verdicts on so many issues. And he has to prepare the battalions and the armies and all sorts of hats he's wearing. What hat does he not wear? He also wears the hat of a loving father, a caring brother, a caring son to every single person out there. And the stories are many, too numerous to count and to share. But yet... One day when he performs his Fajr Salah, he looks around and he's looking from right to left, top to bottom, front to back. And imagine how well he knew his community. With all the responsibilities he had, he's able to immediately pinpoint that such and such individual is missing today for Fajr Salah. Such and such individual is missing from Fajr Salah. With so many other appointments, I'm sure ambassadors to receive, delegations to send out, money to be distributed, So many things to take care of besides his wife and his children. Yet, he takes the time out. Doesn't send someone else. He himself, he himself takes the time to walk to that individual's home. So now, not only did he immediately know who was missing, but he also knew where he lived. And he took the time out to walk to that person's house. And he knocks at that person's house to see what has happened today. Why is Fulan ibn Fulan, this young brother, not present in our Fajr Salah? What's going on? Maybe he is sick. Maybe he needs the Khalifa to his assistance. And at that time his mother opens the door and sees the Khalifa at her door. Very worried, anxious. What has happened, Oh, oh, Amir al-Mu'mineen? says, no, I've simply come to ask about your son. Where is he? And she says, well, my son, subhanAllah, it's not that he had a late project he was working on, or a new job that is keeping him super busy, that he is not able to wake up for Fajr. But subhanAllah, what a beautiful excuse. If there was any excuse, to be acceptable, this would be the excuse. That my, sp- my son spent the entire night in nafil salah. He spent the entire night in ibadah. So now at tahajjud time, he performed his fajr at home. He was too tired to make it out to come for fajr. So he prayed the fajr at home. And the pra- Umar ibn Khattab anh, when he heard this, very beautiful excuse. A young boy who spends the night at home performing nafil, how better could it be than that? How, how better can he get than this? to have a son at home praying the entire night nothing, and op- optional prayers but he tells her that no instead it is more beloved to me and more like and not to me but in Islam that he comes for fajr salah and sleep the entire night than for him to spend the entire night in optional prayers and not to come for fajr salah with jama'ah in the masjid pass that message on to him and he left that is what you call care that's not about being big brother that is what you call. Who benefits from that? Umar anhu has a million things to do at that day in that agenda of his. What makes him take t- twenty minutes of his time, or more or less, to go to this boy's house? It's nothing but more than genuine love and care for every person in the Ummah, for every young man and woman, for every person that we want the best for him. Rasulullah sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam created. These were the graduates of the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi university. The graduates of Madrasatul Sofa. They came out as humanitarians. They graduated as loving people. They did not graduate as simple politicians, or simple CEOs who know how to bring back the most, invest- the most return for the stockholders. But rather, they were people who did great business, who did great management and administration as well, did to the best level. But most importantly, they were humans who f- cared about humanity, who cared about the best interest, for their people, not only in this world, but in the world that you and I believe in, but we don't see. The world of the hereafter. They knew that we have to, if we don't encourage them, and we don't show them the path, they will make wrong decisions. And subhanAllah, it is that Ummah that the Prophet wasallam created that we are missing today. The children of that Ummah. When, when a great scholar, what a beautiful book he wrote, and when he titled the book, the, just the title itself, is sufficient for us to learn a lesson Sheikh Abdul Hassan al-Nadwi, may Allah where he said, Subhanallah, ردة لا أبا بكر لها ردة لا أبا He said, this this is a crisis, a crisis of apostasy, a crisis of ارتداد, a crisis of people leaving the fold of Islam. But unfortunately, is this the first time this is happening? Absolutely not, this has happened many times before. It happened right after the demise of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But how sad, there is no graduate from the Madrasa of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, from the University of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, to handle this situation. And who was that amazing, valid Victorian of that Madrasa? It was none other than Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, رضي الله تعالى عنه أرضاه, who handled the irtidad situation so beautifully, and turned things around 180 degrees, in a matter of few months. A crisis that would engulf the Ummah and Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, steered the entire Ummah in a direction away from apostasy to strength so that Umar Khattab could take the reins after him after a short two and a half years and expand the horizon, expand the boundaries, and allow millions of other people to enter into Jannah. There was a situation that came across and there were people ready to handle it. Today, the situations that we see are not new, my friends. Every single thing that is coming across, that is being presented in the news, is not new. Everything has, the ummah has gone through, as a scholar beautifully said, that subhanAllah, the garden of Islam is lush and green. But our Islam isn't lush and green because of it's been irrigated by water and has been fertilized by all sorts of chemicals. But rather it has been irrigated by the blood of innocent Muslims throughout times and it is the sacrifices that have become the fertilizer for that beautiful garden the fruits of which you and I enjoy and pluck today it is not simple sitting on our backs that people gave this religion to us tons of sacrifice rivers of blood rivers of sweat and millions of young men women and children and adults gave their lives throughout the times for Islam to reach us today, for this masjid to be built, for you and I to sit in comfort and enjoy today's Jumu'ah, and benefit from today's Jumu'ah, and get the rewards of today's Jumu'ah. It didn't happen overnight, nor did it happen without any cost, without any monetary cost, and without a human cost. A massive human cost was paid for. And this was done with, with trust. Trust in Allah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward me for this. They sacrificed everything they had for Allah. And where did this start from? This started from the very first day when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa stood up and invited Khadija radhiyallahu anha was the one from amongst the women who made the first sacrifice. Ali ibn Abi Talib was the first one to make the sacrifice from amongst the young men. Zayd was amongst the, the first from amongst the slaves, the freed slaves to make that sacrifice. And Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radhiyallahu anhu again, once again his name comes, was the first one to make that sacrifice from amongst the free men, from amongst the muhajirin. Leaving our countries And migrating My friends was part of our faith Part of our religion Part of the sacrifices that the Prophet ﷺ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala demanded and asked من المؤمنين Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, وَنْ خَرَجَ مِنْ بَيْتِي مُهَاجِرًا إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ ثُمَّ يُدْرِكُ الْمَوْتُ Hijrah and leaving for the sake of Islam. Leaving because you cannot practice your faith in a certain area was part and parcel of our religion from day one. Whether it was Abyssinia part one, Abyssinia part two, or whether it was Medina. It was something that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Instructed his companions to do and they had to go through untold sacrifices of going today We're looking at the crises of migrants We're looking at the crises of refugees not in one place There isn't a spot that we can say is free from it They're saying since since World War two there has never ever been this this large amount of, of an exodus of refugees 65 million approximately and millions and millions maybe a very large portion if not the largest portion of that is from the Muslim community whether it's Burma, whether it is Indonesia, whether it is Syria, whether it's Iraq, whether it's Afghanistan or Pakistan, wherever you look, all the other countries in Central Africa, subhanAllah al-Azim. Where do you start from? Where do you compare? What can you say needs the most? Nothing, there is. You can't compare. Each one is as worse as it can get. Each humanitarian crisis is worse than the other. It's just one day, you, this makes it to the front page, and the other day, that makes it to the front page. And if there were a thousand front pages, everyone would be on the front page every single day. But this is part of our faith. This is part of our tradition. We do not sit there and ask people to pity us and cry. But instead we say that we are stronger through these crises. We have gone through this. The Ummah has gone as long as we have people like Abu Bakr as-Siddiq and Umar Farooq رضي الله عنهم أرضى, who cared about people, who cared about humanity, then inshallah ta'ala will be in good hands. And these sacrifices will only make you and I stronger. Will you make you and I more vigilant. Will make us inshallah more deeply rooted. My respective friends. But, but if we do not have people at the helm of the ummah, if we do not have people who, do, who, who know how to respond properly, who, know, who do not know how to channel the energy, the compassion, the sympathy, the sorrow, the tears, as well as the anger, the frustration in a proper manner, then the crisis will only get worse. We'll go from, from a ditch into a deeper ditch, from a frying pan into the fire. They will go from an era, subhanAllah, of losing out in the dunya to losing out in the dunya and in the akhirah. We'll may, Allah forbid, lose. We'll go away from a situation in which we can actually gain great points with Allah for our patience to Allah forbid, losing our faith completely in Allah. If things are not translated properly, are not processed properly in our minds. Massive, great catastrophes can happen. And what greater catastrophe can there be than losing one one's faith? Losing one's faith in Allah, and beginning to question the existence of God Almighty. Beginning to question the mercy of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There can be no greater crisis than that that a person suffers whatever he suffers, but then at the time of death, it is not the ending of suffering, but it is only the beginning of a very, not a long life of suffering, but rather, unfortunately, may Allah protect us all, a life of never ending, and never ending, infinite years, infinite years of difficulty and horror. May Allah protect us all from that. When a person loses his faith, respected friends, this Ummah has been created to care, When one man is missing, one woman is missing, when one man or woman is in pain, as mentioned earlier, that this ummah is supposed to feel that. You don't need to be told. The pinky doesn't need to say I'm in pain. Immediately, the brain senses that. Immediately, the other hands and feet and the parts of the body respond to that. We don't need to be reminded time and again through pictures. We don't need to be reminded time and again through, through something that makes it to the front page. Or that something that makes it to the 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock news. We know the ummah is in pain. Not one day, but rather every day. Every night, when you and I go to sleep, peacefully, when you and I go up and about and doing our jobs and work and dropping off our kids at school, with lunch and lunch money and dinner and all sorts of things planned out for this weekend with our kids. We should know very well that there are thousands and millions of children, both from non-Muslim homes and Muslim homes, at the end of the day their children. Both from Arab worlds and non-Arab worlds, at the end of the day their children, who do not have the luxury of planning out a long weekend who do not have a luxury of saying that this is where we're gonna go tomorrow and this is where we're gonna go Sunday and this is so and so coming over to our house and this is such and such park we're going and these are the places we're gonna go eat out. No, my friends. They don't have the luxury of that. They do not even have the luxury of simply saying that son and daughter, be patient in the next 24 hours you'll get something to eat. It's a a bunch of lies that they have to share with their kids to simply lull them to sleep or to give them hope, give them a reason to live till the next day. We don't need to be told by any news media outlets that this is the crisis, didn't start this week, didn't start last week, it's been going on for years. It's been going on for years. How many khutbas you and I have, have heard? How many subhanAllah fundraisers you and I have possibly attended but definitely heard about? The question is, what responsibility am I taking about that? How is my reaction meant to that? My friends, let us remind ourselves, that we may forget, we may forget, we may actually, I'd say, we may try to forget what is happening around the world. But remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never forget. Rabbi wa la Allah not only doesn't forget those who are suffering, Allah hasn't forgotten them. Trust me, Allah hasn't forgotten those who are meeting their woeful ends, terrible ends, packed up in the back of pickup trucks, suffocating to death. Or in capsized boats, or subhanAllah at the hands of, at the guns of smugglers who simply knock them all out and burn the ship down once they reach and get their money. And those who are being bombed from the top, killed by snipers, Allah hasn't forgotten them, remember that. You and I may have forgotten them, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a very watchful eye. The question may arise, how can this happen then? How can this happen that this is under the watchful eye of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed it to happen in the very same manner that you and I believe that our Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his blood is more virtuous and more sacred than the blood of the entire ummah. My blood, my father's blood, my, my grandfather's blood and my grandchildren until the day of judgment and all of your bloods together. Cannot equal to one drop of the blood of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa When Rasulullah gave according to some narrations, of course, I don't need to even give a proof for this. You know that. But one narration comes that when Rasulullah shared some of his blood, through cupping or something, he gave it to a sahabi. and said, Bury this. When the Sahabi came back, he said, I've taken care of it. He said, what did you do with it? He said, I've drank it. I drank it. The Prophet said, Then the fire of Jahannam has been made haram upon you. When my blood comes into your blood. When my blood is in your blood, then what's gonna happen? That blood of Rasulullah was poured in Uhud, was poured in Ta'if. His blessed teeth, what is the value of the teeth of the Prophet What are the value of the cheeks of the Prophet What is the value of his mubarak blessed head of the Prophet But all of that was sacrificed. That blood fell. If the world was supposed to come to an end, it should have come in the end when the Rasulullah blood was spilt, But it didn't. If the world was to come to an end, and if the earth was supposed to stop rotating, and if the sun were to stop rising or setting, it would have happened when the grandson of the Prophet ﷺ was was brutally mutilated and killed, and when all his family members were killed off in a battle, in the battle of Karbala. That's when things could have completely just stopped, stood still. But my friends, life carries on, moves on. Because that's not how this world works. It's not the way you and I want it to work. It is a system of Allah, it's called taqween. How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decided, like the story of Musa and Khadr. Pick up, uh, pick up the Qur'an and read through that surah. And read through the last portions of surah Kahf. And learn from there. Read Ma'arif al-Qur'an and write what, read what Mufti Shafi has written there. Or any other scholar has written about that. The story of Musa and Khadr. These are taqweeny things. These are things that are beyond you and I. This is beyond our reach. This is beyond of reach. Why? A ch- how a child dies? What is we are responsible for? Is number one the tashri'ah, the Sharia aspect of it? Subhanallah. This world is a place of test, and that is why Allah Subhanahu wa Taala allowed Rasulullah Sallallahu to suffer. However, he suffered. He wanted this ummah to learn from the sacrifices of my Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Not one instance, but his entire life is filled with stories and annals of sacrifice. And he said it. He said it perfectly. He said, I have been terrorized and I have been bothered and I have been put to test for the sake of Allah like no other person. These are the words of the Prophet. No other person in this world can ever claim that I have been put through more tests than my Nabi. If Allah allowed that to happen, then who am I and who are you? The reason is, my friends, this world is a place of tests. Not necessarily the innocent people are the ones who enjoy life. And not necessarily the culprits and the the corrupt people suffer in dungeons. Many times it's the direct opposite. That those who are missing Fajr seem to be making great bonuses at the end of the month. And those who are coming for Fajr seem to having problems at home with their children or their spouse or whatnot. It happens many times. That a person is barely making it for Jummah and is getting a promotion. You say, how's things? Alhamdulillah, I can't complain. My friends, you have no idea. You are in a severe crisis of test. When a person misses his Fajr, when a person misses his Salah, when a person, a month goes by without recitation of Qur'an, weeks go by without raising hands saying, Ya Allah, forgive me. When a person is involved in the major sins of interest. Yes, the end of the month, the banker shows that you made lots of money. And the investors are telling you, you're doing great. But don't fall for this. It's all a test. It's all a test. Just because things are green and right, doesn't mean things are all going all well. It is our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Remember that if a person, him, his wife, and his children, his siblings, his parents, are deen, then even if they are like Ayan Kurdi and come, their, their ending comes on a beach, their ending comes 10 feet in, in, in the Mediterranean Sea, and subhan- it comes from being capsized from a boat, losing your mother, losing your brother. But if you die with Iman, Wallahi Al you are successful. Wallahi Al you're a Shaheed if you die drowning. You die with Iman. But if a person graduates from the most prestigious university, and brings in tons and tons, just expanding and expanding with wealth, pomp and fame and name, the most beautiful wife, the most beautiful children, but doesn't have faith. Or rather he has Islam and Iman, but he's ashamed of his faith. He doesn't have time for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And his ending comes with a bunch of roses placed on his grave, on his tombstone. My friends, you and I cannot say he's successful. Allah knows best. So before we pass judgments upon anyone, let's remind ourselves that those innocent children who are dying every day, they're dying, inshaAllah, as shuhada. The question is, where, where am I and where's my kids? My kids who are not drowning. My kids who have enough food to eat. My kids who don't have to worry about a sniper's bullet or from a gas attack or who don't have to worry about eating from a garbage pile. Allah has blessed me, my children. You and your children with immense blessings. How is my reaction? To these blessings. How grateful am I to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for allowing me to live in this country with the protection and the security that you and I enjoy? Miles away, we sit in a car, comfortably come to the masjid. How easy it is for, to, for us to bring our kids to the masjid on an evening, on a Saturday evening, on a weeknight. Are we utilizing this or not? This is the question Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked that you saw how I was testing other people. Did that wake you up to say, let me give and donate to those people who are working in those areas? Let me spend a couple minutes tonight or after Jummah, to at least try to shed a tear for those people. And did I take a message back home, that son and daughter, let me start spending my time upon you. I don't have to worry like those moms and dads, who are simply worried about how to bring food to the table. Alhamdulillah, that's been taken care of. Let me work on teaching you Qur'an. How many 15-year-old children in our community do not know how to read Qur'an? How many 30-year-old children do not know how to make wudu? In our community, yes, my friends. How are we gonna face Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this? Let us take this message to heart, that we thank Allah for what He has given us. And remember, that thanking is not saying Alhamdulillah only, but to do that which Allah demands from us. Number two, let our hearts tear up and cry. Let our eyes tear up and cry. Let our hearts feel the pain for the suffering of the Muslim Ummah. And spend a couple minutes performing Salatul Haja, Dua. Number three, participate in, in those organizations that are working Alhamdulillah, in the, in the spectrum of the law, within the boundaries of the law, and are donating and doing great work, let us participate with them to the best of our ability. And number four, insha'Allah ta'ala, let us never ever complain about our situation. Rather, take it as a positive note. And lastly, do not become depressed to an extent that we start losing faith in Allah. Remember, remind ourselves that this is a test of Allah. Allah is seeing who's strong. Ashaddul nasi bala'a al anbiya. The ones who get tested the most are the prophets. ثُمَّ الْأَمْثَلُ Then those who follow them in piety, and then those who follow them in piety. يُبْتَلَ الرَّجُلُ عَلَى حَسْبِ A man is test, tested based on the strength of his faith. In كَانَ فِي دِينِهِ صَلَابَةً زِيدَ فِي If he is strong in his faith, Rasulullah said, his tests are increased. when كَانَ فِي and if he is weak in his faith, then his tests are decreased. حَتَّى يَمْشِيَ عَلَىٰ وَجْهِ الأرض وَلَيْسَ عَلَيْهِ خطيئة. until a time will come when he will be walking around on earth without having a single sin in his account. He will become sinless because of his patience in front of hardship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may He grant us عافية and well-being. May He not test us. And may He allow us all to be grateful and thankful for what He has given us. May He allow us to make a change today. Insha'Allah Ta'ala, on these blessed uh, nights before uh, days before hajj begins, may He allow us to renew our commitment to Allah and His Rasul and to humanity. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create the likes of Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu within us. May He create unity and love for each other within us. May He keep us stronger, grant us strength from strength to strength. And may He make us once again a united ummah. Wa akhirud amana alhamdulillah rabbil alameen.